0: Uh, this morning, we're going to be looking in the Bible, in the book of Acts, chapter 12. If you have a Bible, grab it. If you don't have a Bible, just put your hand up, and we'll have someone um, get you one. Acts, chapter 12, we're going to be looking at the story of Peter's miraculous ex- escape from prison. And the word for the day that we're going to be talking a lot about is the word, it's a word that's very close to my heart, it's called Turbulence turbulence. So for a moment, I want to play a game of word association. That is, I say a word, I say turbulence, and and you you think or say back to me the first word that comes into your brain. So I say turbulence, you say, what? I heard plane, I heard trouble, Adrenaline. adrenaline, wind, what's that? Yeah. Okay. Lots of thoughts. Okay. So we can say the word turbulence. Is it a happy thought? Not a happy thought? Who likes turbulence in the air? All right. We have someone in the back. A few people. You know, because there's fun turbulence. that's just like a little bumpy. And then there's not fun turbulence when you're actually getting pretty scared about it. If some of you have experienced that before. We, um, we've experienced it. And I know most of us have, um, especially because we're flying 13 hours over the Pacific. So you get plenty of turbulence as you're cruising along, especially in the summertime with all the storms that come up. But think for a moment with me about turbulence on an airplane. You don't know when it's coming. It often takes you by surprise. You don't know how long it's going to last. You don't know when it's going to end. So you're just kind of holding on. It can strike at the most inopportune times. So if you've ever been on a plane when the flight attendants got the cart, you know, and have you ever been there when they're pouring the water and then it starts bumping, 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 and you're getting it and you're like, ah, and it's going to crash down. You know, it doesn't matter. Turbulence just comes and you can't control that. That's the other part of it. It reminds us that we're just not in control. All of a sudden we think everything is like cool and, and but then, uh, 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 oh, uh, oh. It can be scary. It can even make you throw up. Okay, so this is my um, barf bag from, <laughs> from my latest flight. This was Cafe Pacific barf bag, and when you're flying again for 13 hours, and I don't watch TV on the plane, so I just sit around and do nothing. No, I write my sermon on the barf bag. So I thought that would be appropriate for a sermon today on turbulence. Um, it's great, because if you're on an airplane and you don't have paper, you can always just get this out of the front seat pocket ahead of you. Anyway, that's my sermon notes on barf bag. Anyway, yeah, so turbulence, we're we're used to turbulence in the air, and we know that's just a part of flying, but I think that we can look farther than flying, and we can actually see how turbulence is a part of life as well, and we can kind of know, Yep, that's right, turbulence, life can be very turbulent. Life at times, we're just floating along, and then all of a sudden, boom, we can get tossed up in the air. Sometimes we get thrown up in the air at the most inopportune times, right? We go and we're sitting down. Everything just got nice and comfortable in our little seat. We're all settled in for the journey. And then, boom, something starts flying around. Water gets spilled on us. We hit turbulence. We weren't expecting it. Now, all of a sudden, we can't control it. We didn't know it was coming. We don't know when it's going to end. And it might even make us throw up. So as a Christian, I need to tell you that my prayer, for myself anyway, is not, Lord, please keep turbulence from my life. That's not how I pray. And a lot of that is because we've actually been promised in the Scriptures that if we follow closely to Jesus whose life was characterized by turbulence. I mean, talk about a turbulent life. Jesus, the one who we are following, if we follow Him closely, we've been promised that we're going to have turbulence as well. We will encounter it. And so my prayer is not, Lord, save me from the turbulence. Keep me in my seat and all happy. But my prayer is rather, Lord, in the midst of the turbulence, teach me how to live well. Teach me how to honor You, to glorify You in the midst of the flipping and flopping and spilling. Teach me, Lord, to live out this truth that following You, Jesus, is vastly more important to me than a comfortable, smooth life. That's kind of one of those scary prayers to pray. Like, like, really, Like, can I, do I believe that? Do I really want those words to come out of this mouth? Because sometimes, you know, you pray prayers and then you listen to yourself and you're like, Ugh. maybe don't answer that one. But really, can we pray that prayer? Teach me, Lord, to live out this truth that following you, following you closely, following hard after you, is more important to me than having a comfortable, smooth, turbulent, free life. So that's what I'm praying for me. That's what I'm praying for us. Not that God will keep us all happy and easy and free from turbulence, but rather that in the midst of it, we will live well in a way that honors and glorifies Him. As I mentioned, we're going to be um, reading in the book of Acts chapter 12, I love Acts because it's the story of the church and the beginnings of the church and new Christians who are just figuring it out, figuring out what it means to live for Christ. And they're living in turbulent times. If anybody's living in turbulent times, we can go right back to the book of Acts. And I think that's helpful for us to gain perspective. Because, yeah, it's turbulent now, right? We are living in turbulent times and... We face turbulence even being Christians in this world. And what does that mean? And how do we live out our faith well? And sometimes that can be very turbulent. But I think it's helpful also to gain perspective by not just focusing on us, but rather looking out, eyes open to see what's happening in other parts of the world where turbulence looks very different. In many places, turbulence is a life and death issue for Christians. And also reading the word, going back and looking at, say, the book of Acts, where we can read about turbulence again as a life and death issue for the early Christians. That's what it was like for Peter and the others. They faced the threat of physical harm and even death for following their Lord. So I'm going to start here in Acts chapter 12, starting with verse 1 and read a few verses. It says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this was met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I'm going to stop right there for a moment. So you have the beginning. King Herod is persecuting the believers. He does not like the church, and he wants to destroy Christianity in a sense. And so he has James... Um, uh, put to death one of the apostles, he's imprisoned and put to death, and that seems to go over well with the people. and so he he grabs Peter and decides to try to do the same. Peter is imprisoned. There's probably going to be a public trial, and certain death or probably to follow. So things are not looking good for Peter. And the believers were told in verse five, recognize this, right? This is turbulence that is hit, and it's hit hard. And so the believers, interesting, their response, is that they gathered together and they earnestly prayed to God. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But before we do, I'd like to highlight a little bit about what Peter has done right here. Not so much that he's ended up in prison, but rather to highlight the way that he and the others were living such that they ended up in prison. It was the way that they lived, the life that they lived, it wasn't an accidental life. It wasn't a kind of whatever happens, I'm just going to kind of go with the flow type of life. They were living purposefully. They were living courageously, fearless living in the face of great turbulence. And it's important to remember this. It is, this was no accident that they ended up, that Peter particularly ended up in prison. And it didn't catch him by surprise. You know, like, oh, crud, I didn't know. I, I promise I'll stop talking about Jesus. Just let me go. That's not what he did. He knew full well where this was headed. I'm going to flip back a couple of chapters to chapter 5. Actually, start with chapter 4. Just read a couple of verses about previously what has happened with the apostles. This is chapter 4, verse 18. They're standing uh, before the religious leaders at the time. Then they, the religious leaders, called them in again and commanded them, Do not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to listen to Him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Yeah, don't talk about Him anymore. Well, we're gonna. Because that's what we do. Then if you flip over a page, chapter 5, verse 41... They've now been persecuted. They've been, yeah, bad things have happened. But in 41 it says, the apostles left the Sanhedrin. What were they leaving? What were they thinking at that moment? Ashamed. They left ashamed. They left frustrated. They left angry that God set them up for this thing that would hurt them. And they didn't expect it. And they thought Christianity was going to be nice and easy and sweet. No. It says, they left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name. They rejoiced because they got to suffer. They got, they got to. They, they were privileged to suffer disgrace for the sake of the name. Okay, so now this is Peter. Peter now, in chapter 12, ends up in prison. And now understand his mindset. He knew this was coming. They chose to keep speaking. They chose to live courageously in the face of turbulence. They weren't going to give up. Man, I just pulled this song off of Brandon's stuff. Yeah, we're just saying more than conquerors. I'm reading through this. We're more than conquerors through Christ. We will not bow to sin or to shame. We are defiant in your name. We are defiant in your name. Can you just see the apostles saying things like this? Living like this? Back in that time? It, it's interesting because now we just sing it. We sing it, right? But then the question is, is, like when we go from this place and we're no longer with our group here, are we still like that? Like we, we're fearless, man. We're courageous about what we're going to do here. That is what marked the lives of of these early believers. They were courageous. They were fearless in the face of turbulence. And that is my hope for us as well. That when turbulence comes, we don't cower. We don't run and hide. But rather we stand up. We acknowledge that God is in control. We acknowledge that we're not going to stop talking about Jesus. Thank you very much. We're just going to continue to do what we're doing. That is living well in the face of turbulence. Fearlessly. I'm going to keep reading on. On from verse 5. So starting in chapter or verse 6 now. Peter's in prison, says the night before Herod was to bring him to trial. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Can you imagine that? Getting hit by an angel. Get up! Was he a deep sleeper? How does that go? Did Peter hit back? Yeah, I don't know. Right? So the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea what the, that, that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. And they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. We'll keep going. Then Peter came to himself. It's only then he comes to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she opened the door. No. She ran back in without opening the door. Peter's like, Hey, wait, wait. I'm still here. So she goes back. She tells them about it. You're out of their mind, they said. It can't be Peter. When she kept insisting that it was so, the people said, it must be an angel. But Peter, he's still at the door. Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him and saw him. They were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. Stop there for a second. I love this, this section of Scripture. It's so real. It's a real life. It's so true for us. Peter sleeping. The angel wakes him up. The angel hits him, wakes him up. The chains fall off. He's told to follow. The angel leads him past the guards, out onto the street. The gate, it opens by itself. Peter finally realizes that it's not just a dream. He realizes that what is happening to him is real. It is happening right now. So when he comes to, he decides, I'm going to go to Mary's house. Now remember, in verse 5, we read that when the church first encountered this turbulence, their response was to gather together and to pray earnestly to the Lord. And so they had gone to Mary's house. That's where the church was at the time. And they were praying for Peter. So he heads over there while the people are praying. I think this is interesting, too. Like, when it says that the people were praying earnestly, this isn't like the people just saying, Oh, Peter. Peter's in prison. Okay. You know, bullet prayer. God, please be with Peter. Thank you. Then go on with life. Okay, what do we got to do today? This was like the church hitting turbulence and realizing this is life and death. And their response is to drop everything and say... Let's get together. Number one, it's interesting. They got together. I think there's something to that. It wasn't just, okay, everybody in your own homes, pray for Peter. It was like, hey, drop everything. Guys, we got to meet. They get together in someone's house, and they start praying earnestly. And when we talk about this kind of prayer, this is a continual type of prayer. This is the struggle of prayer. This is the get on your knees before the Lord type of prayer. This is the hard work of prayer. I know that sounds weird sometimes to talk about prayer as hard work, but sometimes that's exactly what it is. Because it is continual, it's over time. It's like a struggle where we're struggling together, struggling in prayer, but we're lifting this up to the Lord. A crying out in desperation kind of prayer. Really quick, when was the last time you prayed like that? When was the last time you came together with others in the body and you prayed like that? I'm asking myself, too. When you hit turbulence, is your reaction to do this, to bring it before the Lord, or is the reaction to just freak out? Or run around and, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Again, me. My reaction is so often, freak out. Instead of, stop. Get on your knees. Get with others. Pray. So Peter knocks at the door. Rhoda looks out. I just love this. She's so excited. She forgets to open it. Runs back in. Wait, I'm still here. And then she tells the others, and again, so interesting, the response of the others. They are, okay, they're struggling in prayer for Peter. And when they are told, Peter's at the door, their response is not, woohoo, let's go get him. It's, nah, you're wrong. It can't be Peter. Peter. Why not? He's in jail. That's why we're praying. Wait, wait a sec. we We're praying. I don't know what they were praying. Were they, were they praying that he'd be freed? Probably that was part of it. But it's this doubt. Have you ever been there when you've been praying for something? This happens to me sometimes. I'm praying for something, and yet in this side of my head or maybe this side, I'm thinking, this is never going to happen. I just don't see this happening. It's like that's the the lack of faith type of me pray. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but but sometimes it's like, I wonder what would happen if God actually did this, like what I'm praying. And so the God did this is knocking at the door right now, and the people are like, can't be. Can't be. But yeah, I mean, man, we just have to have so much grace for the people, because we do it, number one. Number two, think for a second about what they just went through. Beginning of the chapter, Herod went and took who? It wasn't Peter. He took James. What happened to James? James died. So we can presume, although it doesn't say right here, we can presume that when James was taken to prison, the people probably did the same thing. They probably went and they gathered together and they prayed. And what happened to James? He died. And um, this is a sermon for another day. But why did James die and Peter did not? I'm sure the people prayed. It wasn't... I'll tell you... I, I, we're not going to answer this. This is... You go home and just let this sit in your brain for a while. That. You have two believers, and one of them is executed, and the other is not. And the people pray for both. And we know in real life, this is what happens. That's not today's sermon, so... Anyway, think about that. But yeah, so again, go back to the people, right? The people have just had the experience of praying for James, and he's dead. And now they're praying for Peter. And then they get told, well, he's, he's at the door, and he's not at the door. He's probably going to die, just like James, right? So it's natural what they're feeling and the emotions. And yet, God intervenes at this very moment. God saves Peter out of this situation. So my question, let's go back to the praying. When we face turbulence, are we a people who get on our knees before the Lord? Pray expectantly. Where we pray expecting, eyes open, waiting to see what is God going to do? How is God going to answer? It's got to be humble. This thing has to be humble. You don't come before the Lord and be like, I want this. You've got to be humble about this, and yet we are expectant, because we're going to wait. We're going to see how God is going to work. Living well in the face of turbulence is doing this, I believe. I believe it's praying expectantly, seriously, earnestly, on our knees, waiting to see how God is going to work. Man, I pray this would be our initial reaction, our response to turbulence. Gather the troops. Get people together. Let's go pray. That's living well in the face of turbulence. I'm going to keep reading. That's the first two. The last one is, it's not only living fearlessly, it's not only praying expectantly, but it's also remembering that in the end, God wins. Just a a couple of verses here in verse 18. Okay, so Peter has gone through all of this. He's left. It says, in the morning, there was no small commotion. You can imagine, among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Uh, Go back to the beginning. Remember, at the beginning, Peter's facing the threat of death. Someone's going to die. And yet, look at what happened right here. It wasn't Peter who died. It was the soldiers who were executed. Talk about flipping the script. Herod had his own plans. He had his own ideas of what he wanted to do, yet Peter is the one who was set free. The guards are left to explain what happened, and they can't, and so Herod orders that the guards be executed. The plan was that Peter would take the fall, and yet it was his captors who ultimately paid the price. We're almost at the end of the story, but not yet. It says, Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon and now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, imagine this, The appointed day, Herod is wearing his royal robes. He sat on his throne and he delivered a public address to the people. Hear, hear. The people shouted, this is the voice of a God, not a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down. And he was eaten by worms and died. He was struck down, eaten by worms and died. But look at the last verse. The word of God continued to spread and flourish. So we start, we started this, this chapter. What is it? It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Herod has his own plans. Herod has his own designs. Herod wants to destroy this. Herod wants to kill that person. At the end of the story, Herod is dead. And yet, the Word of God continues to spread and flourish. Man, if we could see what's happening on a big scale. Yes, on a small scale, we are struggling with life and we're struggling with turbulence that comes and throws our coke all over us. And we're struggling with relationships. And, and what do we do following Jesus in this world right now? And how do we do that well? There is that. And yet at some point, to take a step back and to look big picture and to see that in the end, wait, the Word of God will continue to spread and flourish. I mean, we see this in China all the time, right? China, Mao. He was the guy that decided, no more religion. We're going to break down all the churches. We're going to just destroy everything, right? Do you know who's dead now? Mao. Do you know who's not dead? Jesus. And the Word of God is continuing to spread and flourish in China. That's what happens. We die. This thing doesn't. You know, if you were living with Mao, though, it might look differently. If your family is being killed by Mao, it might all feel a bit different because you're not here now; you're there then. And that's the thing, right? We are in the midst of turbulence. How do you explain to James's family that the word of God is going to continue to spread and flourish? Right? You explain to Peter's family and James's family, and those are two different explanations. How do you go to James' family and say, hey, that's not the end? That's not the end. Herod's gonna be dead, and the word of God is gonna go. Because there's still tough. There's life. I mean, there's death, there's struggle, there's difficulty. And yet, that we would be able to live kind of enveloped by this truth that God's grace, God's love, God's glory in the end will win the day. Not turbulence, not death, not sickness, not struggle. Those things will come. We know it. And they will hurt. But they will not win. Man, I hope we can live that. Man, live that truth out. Living in the face of turbulence. Living fearlessly for the Lord. Praying expectantly when we encounter turbulence. And always remembering, in the end, God wins and that changes everything. It changes everything. Let's pray. Lord God, I do thank you for your word, and I thank you for the example of Peter and the others, the early believers. We can read, we can learn, we can be encouraged, we can be challenged. Lord, we love you. And we thank You so much for Your great love for us. God, our desire is to live fully for You. Our desire is to live completely for You even in the midst of the turbulence that we face. We need Your help. We need Your grace and Your strength. Lord, may You be glorified in our lives each and every day. May our lives be marked by this truth that your glory, your love, your grace will win the day. It's in your strong and precious name we pray. Amen.